Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ta-da! Here's a little surprise, isn't it? A little Culture Club bonus for you all. How are we? What's new in your world? This is a Culture Club bonus because we're talking to none other than Travis Alabanza, the activist, author, writer, extraordinaire, who has been on the podcast before. They came on when me and Alan, um, and we were talking about a lot of their work, performance art, brilliant stuff, and they've written a book. None of the above, Reflections on Life Beyond the Binary. And Travis says, you know, when you are someone that falls outside of categories in so many ways, a lot of things are said to you. And Travis analyzes the seven phrases people have directed at them about their gender identity over the years and kind of deconstructs them like, why do we say these things? Why do we ask people questions like, when did you know? And through these kind of seven phrases, which include some of their most transformative experiences as a black, mixed-race, non-binary person, Travis kind of turns a mirror back on society, giving us a reason to question the very framework in which we live and the way we, the ways we treat each other, you know? And it's, yeah, it's a brilliant book and so thrilled to see that it's already getting a lot of heat. So if you haven't got it, you've got to go get it, people. Um, so that's today's episode, talking to the wonderful Travis. So... Without further ado, uh, let's catch up with Travis about all things to do with the trans experience, non-binary experience, the gender non-conforming experience, and and more. You know that that is what today's chat is about. We were talking about dating boys who are bad for you last time, babe. I've got uh, a boyfriend. Oh my god, that's what I wanted the update, babe. I've got a boyfriend, and you know I was talking about on the podcast. I'm dating all these white indie boys. Yes. Fucking hell, I've been with one now for 11 months. Oh, oh I'm so thrilled no. to hear that. Oh, no, and he plays the guitar. <laughs> oh. Oh. I mean, that's that's why I had to get this gender book out of the way, because the next problem with salt moving is boys with guitars. <laughs> I knew, and I thought about this. It's so funny. I told him when I was going on this podcast, I said, you know what? Last time I went on this podcast, I was going on about how I was fucking using two boys. And I was like, babe, and I was just setting up. I was thinking about the fact that I was about to set up a date with you and we cancelled. We got COVID. Da, da, da. It took us ages. I was like, how weird. Yeah, we oh. jumped out of a plane together last week. Really? That's what stage our relationship's in. Oh my God, <laughs> I love it. Halfway through the air, whilst free falling, he said, "Babe, this made me think of an acoustic song I'd like to play for you." No. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not true, is it? <laughs> no, that's not true, God. Can you imagine? Well, I'm actually thrilled. I feel like, do you remember on Blind Date when they used to come back on the sofa and they would talk about <laughs> how the date went? That's yeah, how, yeah, yeah. That's how the holiday is, well, went. Yeah. Well, and some, do you know, I got some DMs after um, that podcast, babe, from some very hot, Shut hot indie up. boys. Yeah, Did two. you? Two from some very hot Southwest indie boys. One of them I actually mailed with once. So the Homo Sapiens podcast got me homo... I was trying to find a homo word that sounded like getting fucked, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> it got me homoed. I got homoed from the Homo Sapiens podcast. Thank I, you. Oh my God, I've always wanted there to be a dating site or a dating well, show. There we go. Okay. You, this is you're it. the one to blame for the super gonorrhea I got. No. <laughs> Why do I feel so proud? Um, Travis, congratulations Thanks. on your book. It's, I don't know, it's, inter- it's interesting time, isn't it, in publishing because... Tell me what you think. But I think that a lot of the world is commissioning books that they don't fully understand. Yes. Do you feel like that? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, that wrestle of the book that I think that they want and the book that I want to write and actually learning that they just want you. But this idea of understanding often equals higher sales and publishing is still pushed by that. Yeah. And then just, I guess, yeah, yeah. People are commissioning books from, I guess, what they consider new voices. And then it's up to the new voice, I guess, to decide who is our audience and do Mm. we let our audience catch up or do we kind of spoon feed them or can we find a happy medium, you know? Yes. Where did you land on that? I think, do you know what? It is weird. I did delete a lot of the book like four months in and start again because I think I realised that audiences don't want to be patronised. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there was this weird thing happening after the whole 2020 stuff and the resurgence of Black Lives Matter where, this idea of education was just feeling really like we were talking to babies when we're talking Mm -hmm. to like adults who have Mm. also experienced life and pain and suffering. And suddenly, Mm. and I, and I, and I just got quite sick of that. So where I landed was, is I'm not really going to think about the imaginary persons that I don't know. I'm going to just write the book that me and my mates need. And then in the edit, I'll figure out more where that's going. And I think where I landed was that, there's certain things that ground us back in. But actually, I landed in like a, well, I hope my publisher doesn't hear this, but like I stopped <laughs> caring about sales and just was like, I need something that I'm proud of in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if I've changed my mind. And that's where I landed, you know? Well, it's something that you come back to quite a lot, isn't it? In the book is like this evolution. Um, and everybody has their own one. And obviously you're, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is, a trans person's evolution but I think we can all relate I don't know like we're all trying to work out everything about ourselves and you know even Carrie in Sex and the City a cis white woman was trying to work it all out you know and all she did was go to amazing parties and wear amazing clothes so she had things on her side that's my life too babe (laughs) You just shove in the odd faggot and homophobic abuse in there too. (laughs) I feel like it's about, um, it was about making something that celebrated being in flux, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I think that somehow we got to this place with trans politics and also I was writing it after Sean's incredible book. Yeah. And so the book that I was beginning to write and then I read Sean's halfway through and I was like, well, I don't need to do, I was, I don't need to do this. Yeah. I was like, it's done. Thank thank God. And I text Sean. I was like, Sean, I'm so thankful that you wrote this book because now we don't need to try and write that one. We can. So then I had this really interesting question where I rang my friend. I said, I've just read Sean's book and like an earlier draft of like something. And she's done the explaining thing. 
So what's left? And my friend was like, well, what about asking questions? What about, you know, the different angles to it, the companions? And, and I thought that where we were at with trans literature at the moment is that we had to, we have to always explain, explain, explain. Mm-hmm. But that means we lose out on being able to doubt ourselves and ask questions. And, and I think that's what this book is maybe doing. It's doubting myself and asking questions. Yeah, interesting. And allowing yourself space to be doubting. Because one of the things you mentioned in the book, which I think I've heard people say before, which really strikes me, and I just makes my heart burst type thing is that you're expected to walk into these gender reassignment places and have all the answers, you know, because they want to like, look down at their piece of paper and write tick. Yeah, because they don't want to get in trouble or end up being, you know, a piece in the daily mail saying this person does you know and and this is all so not patient first you know or whatever you want to call that person who's in that room you know a patient probably isn't the right word but do you know what I mean like healthcare is about helping the individual you said this lovely line which is like I went in very sure saying I was very sure about what I was because I heard that that makes it go easier you know because yeah you, you wait all this time for this appointment yeah. You need to make it go right, yeah? Yeah, and I think that it's like what falls through the gaps when that is what we're dealing with in society. And I feel like it was about um, everyone saying we need access to healthcare, we need access to healthcare, and we definitely do. But I think somewhere along the lines we lost our like imagination of like something better than that. Like I don't just want this version of healthcare where mm. we have to lie. I mm. want a version of healthcare where we can be honest and still get help. And if we're constantly lying to doctors, lying to our friends, lying to our families to get results, then like, I just started feeling like the the truth was like of myself and therefore maybe other people was being like forgotten in the cracks. And so I think there's also a line in my book where I say like, if you're reading this in 10 years and I look like a woman, know that this wasn't my choice or my destiny. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's all these forgotten histories of like reasons why some trans people may make choices because the only archive is the doctor's notes Mm -hmm. and so I guess I wanted this book to like before I make some changes to myself medically to be an archive that won't be able to be in the doctor's notes unless the doctor has google then I'm fucked if the doctor's read the book then I'm not getting hormones (laughs) (laughs) The that entire paragraph out of your mouth is exactly like the book, which is basically like really serious, really serious, really serious, and then something really funny at the end. <laughs> but um, which is why I loved it because it sounds like you're talking, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so Sean, i.e. Sean Fay, for anyone who doesn't know, Sean came on the podcast and talked about her book. Uh, it's behind me somewhere. Anyway, it's a masterpiece. It was just like a very calm parent explaining to children why what they'd done was wrong. You know, it's like, mm. you said this, mm. then you said this, then you told yeah. me this, but then you told me this, this. And it's really methodical. And I'm thrilled to hear that you then had the confidence to go, Sean's done that, I'm going to do my voice, because I would just melt and be like, ah, there's no more books left, don't want to do it. You know, run for the hills. No, it it inspired me, actually. Brilliant. When I was so proud, you know, I just was like, thank God. But it inspired me to like, remember what I'm good at mm-hmm. and to not write. Trust your for voice. What, yeah, to trust my voice and to not write what I think. I just assumed, I was like, I'm trans and I'm writing nonfiction. So I have to write like a non-binary 101 mm. history lesson. Not that Shams is that, but this like 
history lesson. Sean's is obviously really in depth. And I think reading Sean's, I was like, oh, that's what it should look like. Mm-hmm. Was reading mine and I was like, mine isn't that. And I was like, because that's not how I write. And I think it was speaking to Sean about her book. And, you know, this is the thing. You wouldn't normally just speak to every author, but there's so few trans people published to this scale that there really is only a few of us to talk to, like <laughs> at this, at this, like major publisher or place kind of way. Yeah. And I kind of was like, right, well, I've got to talk to Sean. And she said, you know, you, mine was with a purpose. I did this because I felt like it needed to be done. What do you feel like needs to be done? And I was like, oh, well, actually your book does shift what needs to be done because now I feel like what needs to be done can be a selfish choice or a choice for like inter-community, right? Like a choice for like some of the private conversations that my friends were having behind closed doors, right? There's lots of things I say in the book that I say that I think, but actually are inspired by things that other trans friends have said to me that don't feel comfortable putting their name to it, Mm. you know? And so that was really fun to think like, oh, I could write this book that has some of those stuff that, hey, maybe some trans people might be uncomfortable with some things I've said in the book, right? Like Stephanie, some things about not being born this way and mm. and not, you know, that not thinking that transness is this like innate, unmovable thing. Some people might really disagree with that. And I was like, great, we have to get to that point in literature because I think we have a choice when we're oppressed to the level that we are in the UK to either shrink or to carry on whether they want us to carry on or not. Mm-hmm. And part of carrying on is about developing a robust archive of, of art that doesn't always agree with each other, mm-hmm. right? And so I think I was like, I hope that this book makes a tr- one trans person go, what the hell is she talking about? I need to write a response piece. And then we become like a robust group of artistic writers, which is already happening behind the scenes and in zines and in online culture, but our big publishing, it's not, right? Everything feels like it's like, directed to this, like, cis audience to walk them through. And I guess I just wanted something that maybe trans people, like, some some stuff is for cis people and actually some stuff is for trans people to kind of think about and have a different experience to, you know? Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because, um, you know, when you say it's like big publishers, when you were sort of saying, oh, why your mind went to the the Sean version, let's say, which is like perhaps um uh there's an element of explanation in it It is that uh, my brain kind of went oh because you're at the beginning aren't you you know like how many thousands and thousands of millions of books are there written from a straight perspective about a nuanced thing but there's you know 12 currently uh i'm picking the number 12 out of the air but you know like trans experience novelists who are around in this current moment 2022 and you're at the birth of something, really, yeah, aren't yeah. you? You know, like, so obviously you're going to feel the need to do some heavy lifting in order for to set the stage for you to say what you want to say. But actually the path to getting people to understand what you're talking about is actually to be ultra-specific and ultra-personal. Yes. Bingo. So weird that. Bingo. Wow. And also it's like, I started reading loads of trans books by trans authors and realising that, like, we've just all been writing here. Like, there's this imaginary wheel that we have to, like, remake and actually the wheel's not gone mm-hmm. i just had to look a bit harder and be inspired in different ways and i think that's it like yeah and not to harp on about but even not just sean like you know juno dawson juno roche like jackson yeah. jay bernard all these trans authors coming at similar inspirations from a different way yeah and it was like and i talk about it in the prologue it's like 
you can't ignore that when you come into UK publishing, writing about trans stuff, there's this huge tension of like, how do you, what's my in here? Like, Mm. am I going to combat the storm? Am I going from in it, outside it, ignoring it? And I just read loads of trans UK artists and saw that we were all dealing with the same, like, just like an allergic reaction, but in different ways, like different Mm. symptoms. And we're all going about it. And that then made, freed it up to, I think, create what I've made, you know? Mm. And then, so there's a few kind of statements that pull you through the book. So I wanted to just talk about each one a little bit. Um, So when did you know? That question that always gets put to people. um, And that can be anywhere on any spectrum, actually. Tell me a bit about what that chapter is about. I wanted to take something that felt like not just trans people could relate to something Mm. that like wider LGBTQ community could relate to because I wanted to ease us into like what I think is like a less what I always talk about this less harsh line between cis and trans Mm -hmm. and that like LGBT is like separate letters but also like look at the commonalities it's about disruption so I wanted to pick a phrase that like could show that this happens to lots of us it's about disruptions but I also wanted to like I knew that in order to set the tone for where I wanted to go at the end of the book, which ultimately I think the book is about choice mm-hmm. and about um, how much freedom is actually in transition and choice. And in order to do that, I had to set the groundwork to say that I don't think that being trans is innate. And I was like, how do I do this in a way that feels interesting, feels relatable, feels like I can build great common ground. And so I guess I wanted to take something that, I felt like a lot of queer people have had, which is that when did you know moment or that answer Mm. and be like, great, let's build up what we think is a solid ground there to then argue that actually all of that is not that solid. It's all experiential. Like it doesn't actually prove anything. It just proves other people's discomfort. It doesn't really prove like an innate thing. Totally. Because the thing about when did you know is, I mean, Look, so when people have asked me that, I always go, oh, well, I knew I was gay when I loved Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue in Cocktail because I like, I loved, I like, I loved her hair and I thought she was so gorgeous. But like, I was just, he was really in love with her and I was like, God, he's hot. Like, and I, that's kind of me knowing. But at the same time, at the same time, like, I think what's interesting about that statement and what you talk about in the chapter is like, the discomfort thing is... It's actually like, when were you told by other people? Yes, exactly. What you're doing upsets, not just me, the the status quo. Exactly. And I feel like that's what the book continues to go to throughout is this, so much onus on transition is placed on the trans person Mm -hmm. rather than a cis world that forces us to do a certain type of transition. Mm. And that's not to say that that transition then isn't real or valid or affirming something but I guess it's just me trying to question like would this still exist in this way if the world was more accepting to gender Mm. non-conforming it's just putting owners somewhere else you know hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's really interesting because when I was reading you talk about that in the book, saying that it was a bittersweet statement, you know, I felt when I read it, like you saying that I feel like I, in some respects, have no choice but to feminize my appearance in order to make life easier for me. Um, And I remember someone else saying the spirit of that. And it involves a big question because you doing it because that's how you feel better or you or, and but in that moment you also feel like you're failing by doing it because maybe you mm. should be representing and in, in mm. a you know in a protest way when actually mm. maybe you just kind of want to walk down the street and not get people to fucking shout at you right some in the book i say like i i can't imagine being visibly gender non-conforming and picking up my kid from school like mm. when's the last mm. time i saw a visibly gender non-conforming person mm. like pick up a kid from mm. school or I say, like, why can I not see any of us getting old? You know, like, why? Yeah. And I think it's that image of, like, all the visibly gender non-conforming people I know, when they get older, want a quieter life. And I think I say the phrase as well, like, gender non-conforming is always seen as only one volume, loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're all, it's always seen as intentional loudness, even if it's just who we are. Yeah. And you don't want that for the rest of your life. Or maybe you can, you just, and I think what's interesting actually is I finished the book and since then have been looking even more visibly gender non-conforming than ever before. It's actually done the opposite of what I thought The you know, I wrote the book and I was like, right, this is it. Like, I'm going to go and do what I need to do. And I've like grown out my stubble for five days, being like, not wa- I used to get waxed every month. I've not been waxing my legs. It's almost as if the book made me go, wait a minute, like, mm-hmm let me give this one last shot of like, you know, being, trying to find comfort in my body and trying mm. to like live this out because, you know, skipping to the end, but ending the chapter on a recentering of us, not them, maybe yes. be like, actually, I love doing this. This can mm. be really fun. This can be really fulfilling. Mm. If I stop focusing on how they view me and how, more how I feel, you know? Is there something in that idea of actually just wanting to embrace the spectrum of it all? Like sometimes I want to be this, sometimes I want to be that. Because I think yeah. I think it was Sean Faye who said as as well, and I could be wrong, so forgive me. She said, you know, the problem I've got is I'm actually essentially a straight woman dealing with straight men. You know what I mean? And like that's my that's my hellscape. <laughs> Because I'm trans as well, and but you know, a lot of my life is actually that, and th- that is a valid thing. Or you know, Munro Bergdorf. I'm just pulling off names who've been on this podcast. You know what I mean? It's not like they represent anything solid. F- mm. You know, everyone is different, is what I'm trying to say. And Munro has 
her version of transness and but there are elements of that that conform quite well to the people who want answers what are you tell me what you are you know what i mean but if you come out looking all kind of jessica rabbit then people are like oh okay it's cool vote 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 yeah exactly i mean it's it's about all marginalized groups i think face this moment in their progression if we want to use like a weaker word because I can't think of a stronger one. But like, of this idea of do we choose that the only way for us to get free is to be respectable? Or do we say that we're going to be fighting for all of us at all times? We saw this with the women's rights movement where they suddenly decided, you know, in the UK it was more about class and like, which educated women were should be fighting for like rights for this and non-educated women shouldn't in the US you know obviously we saw it more split through racial lines of like which women should get what in terms of the things that like have access to work and all these different things um in even in the African American civil rights movement we saw a lot of conversations about respectability about what type of the respectable negro and not the respectable negro mm-hmm. so there's always this pressure when we get to like a tipping point of like dichotomy of the good insert marginalized group and the bad version of that and i just think it's silly to separate that from beauty because beauty is about money and capitalism and selling and boxes mm-hmm. and we're trying to do that to non-binary right that was also some of the inspiration for this book i could see it happening to this uncategorizing label was suddenly like okay we don't quite get non-male or female but if we make you a really neat box for it then we can put you in there so we're going to make it all about pronoun stickers. We're going to make it all about gender neutral language because that avoids actually talking about what it means to say I'm not male or female. Mm. Because if we focus on going, oh, well, this is all about making sure we've got a, the best language for the gender neutral word for uncle and auntie, and we all squabble over that, then we avoid the fact that to actually accept someone in the world that is not male or female, loads of systems would have to change that also harm lots of other people. Mm. people fighting for x marker on a passport instead of the conversation is let's look at why we like unnecessarily gendering things in the first place Mm. we talk about assigned male and female at birth and saying what happens if we don't then we suddenly have to also bring up intersex people and the forcible surgeries that have been done and think about retribution for them Mm. if you start breaking apart the binary so many parts of a western system struggle and it's hard to do that. So instead, we go, those are the bad versions of people. We can't be bothered. We're happy for the people that can blend back into society. Mm. Because it's always about power, you know? And, and I think sometimes people separate trans issues because they think that it's like this faraway thing. But what so many of us are saying is, there's a reason people are afraid of us. Because it forces a whole other community to reshift our whole imagination. I think there's a reason why the government are so afraid of trans liberation, because it is the epitome of choice. You can't look at trans liberation without looking at complete control over yourself rather than state. And that Mm. is so dangerous to a conservative government, Mm. right? If suddenly people start going, if I don't feel like I want to do something, I don't do it. Well, fuck, what else do we question? You know, what else do we imagine? We've just had something as immovable as gender. And there's Mm. all these people going, I want to move it. When you're just talking about non-binary being a box that then they want people to jump into, for example, or trans. What you're trying to say is, no, 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 no. I just reject gender. That's me. Um, And I'm not therefore going to pop into another box that you want me to. 
But also, while you're saying that, you're also kind of going, I don't know if any of these are right for me on a permanent basis. I just want to non-conform and, and keep it fluid. Uh, yeah. And that's all I know in this moment. Yeah, kind of. I guess what I'm saying is like, that I dr- I'm more saying like what I dreamed of, which I guess I dreamed of being not confined to anything. And I found this non-binary like umbrella and was relieved. Mm. And then I guess what I'm wrestling with is whether that's actually possible in this current world. And so right. I guess it's kind of like growing up and going, oh, is this what I want might not actually be possible. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and I guess, I guess where I see it is like something that felt limitless, something that felt like it had loads of options. I avoiding being male or female actually then comes with its own binary way of thinking too. Mm. And it was kind of like less looking at everyone else. And I think I realized halfway through the book, I'm like, Oh, I'm contradicting myself nonstop. I've picked this label that is meant to be about moving away from things. And all I can think about is how I'm being perceived on a scale of man or woman. Like Mm. I'm, I'm sick with this as well, you know? Yes. And no surprise, you know, it's, uh, it's shoved down your throat all day, every day. And these are questions that don't need to actually exist. That's the wild thing about it. Um, can I ask you about Steve, who comes to your show? Because I thought it was such a sweet story. Yes, please. Please do. Tell me the story of Steve. Uh, I love that chapter so much. Mm. I think it's my favorite, one of my favourite chapters of the book. Aww. But yeah, basically, I think about Steve all the time because... One, he came to so many of my shows, it was hard not to. But basically, he was this guy that came to all of my shows. And he would always come on his own. Mm-hmm. And, like, he looked pretty straight. But also, I, but even with the assumption I made, after the shows, he would tell me he was straight. And he kind of would stand out in my crowd of, like, you know, blue-haired, undercut queers. With this kind <laughs> of, like, middle-aged, unfashionable man. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Um, and, uh, you know, but I think he was so unfashionable that it was kind of fashionable. He was like, I'm void of, a void of caring, which is, I guess, quite chic. He was, he was ahead of his time. Um, but he would come to my shows and he would just talk and then leave. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't ask for much until one time he came to one of my shows and he had a a woman with him who I later found out was his wife. Mm -hmm. And after the show, he introduced me to his wife and I could feel this energy and I didn't know what, it's like, is this jealousy? Am I feeling jealous of the wife? Did I want to get with Steve? I'm not sure. And, um, he shows me his nails and the wife explains that him and Steve have been talking about this for six or seven years in bed, wondering if he could do it. And that coming to my shows meant that he finally felt he could paint his nails. And I guess in the book, I talk about the myriad of emotions that that brings up. Like that it is a warm feeling that it is lovely to hear that I'm really happy for Steve, but that there's also a mourning that, something can take that long in a relationship to decide to paint your nails. Mm. And what does that mean about gender nonconformity's hold on not just trans people, but everyone. But I use it to flip and think about the gift that gender nonconformity brings to society, right? That it was through me being gender nonconforming that Steve could let go of what his masculinity meant and feel better. Mm. Um, and so I, yeah, I think that story, you know, the book, they're going to call it a memoir, but I don't really feel like it is. It feels like just little tiny zoom ins to little moments, but mm. I wanted a moment that really felt like it could encapsulate the conflicting things that gender nonconformity does, like how it can bring a joy to a story, but also feel like you're missing out on something. Also the kind of question of like, 
the wife also having a say in his choices about his body and his expression, that felt complicated, right? Like the wife being like, we decided that he could finally do it. And this idea of like how men also have to perform a certain amount of malehood in order to stay desirable and what that does to men in the world. You know, when you say performing men performing their malehood in order to stay desirable, the byproduct of that is that when they see people stepping outside of malehood, in perhaps in ways that they would like to, and I'm not including Steve here because Steve's Steve's doing Steve and he's doing it Steve's great. Steve's doing Steve. But um they punish it. Yes, uh, of course. Of course. Because, and it's and it's it's kind of the thin end of the wedge. Like it's kind of where it all begins from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. You know, I think that so much of it is about what people do when they feel threatened and what people do when they have a mirror holding back to themselves. Mm. Or, you know, also mentioned some of it in the book, like this idea of gender nonconformity being seen as something you do when you're a kid and then something you have to leave behind to be a serious adult. And you see this adult still doing it and you feel cheered or you feel worried or you feel, what does this mean for my own gender? Mm. And men aren't taught how to pause. They're not taught how to reflect. They're not taught how to, you know, stop and think before they react with anger. And so we face the we hold all their, their workings out. Mm. Or, or Samantha does in, in the bed of Steve. You know, it becomes this other place. Gender, I think it's another line in the book that like gender's then this site of constantly mourning. Like gender is this place that I kind of imagined when I was writing that bit about just this few, like this big graveyard with all these different things that are just buried because gender has um, sacrificed all these possible moments. Mm. And I guess, again, if this book started to be about imagination... Is about imagining all these different moments. Maybe one where I have a threesome of Steve and Samantha. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> luckily, luck, luckily, I changed their names in the book. You know. Oh, okay. I have to. I, I have to. But he did look like a Steve. I, oh, his name is Steve. He looks, and I love him. And I hope when he, I know he'll read this because he's still a secret fan. But I hope he knows it's done with such love. I, I really do. I think he's an amazing person. And yeah. I just listen, like when people who write into this podcast and say, I listen, but you know, I'm very straight and all the rest of it, uh, but I would just like to know more. I just, I just think it's beautiful. It's like, honestly, that's all this world needs is people to just try and look outside the six feet around them and understand those experiences other than their own. And anyone who takes the time to get on the bus, to go to your show, to learn about something that's outside of their own experience. Isn't that just beautiful? It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And even more so when like they come on their own. Do you know what I mean? Like, Steve coming on his own for all those times. I was just, it's, it moved me, you know? And we, you know, we're used to having to go to queer spaces because it's our lifeblood. It's like, that's how we feel alive, you know? Um, but that's not the same for Steve. Steve could just go down the pub, but yeah, Steve yeah, 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 chooses. Exactly. It's, it's just so great. But I feel like it, it's really interesting to, when you talk about the universality of it, um, and this is quite a niche reaction to the book, but, uh here it is you know I, I think that like you speaking about your own kind of um I, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you know you're kind of like un lack of being able to rest on like which version of trans am I which version of non-binary am I like where is it like people want answers I don't know that they exist for me in this moment like I think I can really relate to that in the sense that um I had a version 
of that, which is that I think that I was way more gender non-conforming and all of that stuff before, but actually found myself a route in to be accepted by identifying as a gay man. And that kind of got me through the door. Yeah. And then now... I think if I was, if this was all happening 20 years ago, I think I would be such a different person. And that when you talk about mourning, you know, like, I think, I don't know. I think it's like, I I found refuge in like, I could make myself look like an acceptable white gay man. And then no one would throw things at me. And you feel, you feel guilt for that. Yeah. And this is, and this is it. This is, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I actually hope that that's like, that's one of the main things I hope from someone gets from the book is that, it's it's in all of our best interests to sort this out because we're all we're all living not our full possibility of our life because of the gender binary. We all have other versions of ourselves that could have existed if we weren't making sacrifices, you know. Yeah, and you know, no, I think you say in the book like nobody, oh, something like nobody does something unless it, it's not these words. They'll just have to read it, won't they? They'll have to read it. And find well, exactly. It. <laughs> <laughs> What a fascinating chat. What a fascinating person Travis is. And what good fun. Yeah, let us know what you thought of that. Much to chew over, much that's going to stay with me. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com to get in touch. Tell me what you thought of that at homosapiens on Instagram and on Facebook, homosapienspodcast. Love you loads, listeners. Thank you for listening. Take care. And um, as Alan Cumming would say, brush your hair. 